0: That's 888 898 2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All
1: right, welcome in. It is National Signing Day 2023 Early Edition. This has become the primary National Signing Day. February, you just kind of top it off. You know, this is here, you're filling your tank some of you are leaving a little bit at the top you top it off in february but most are getting it done clemson signed 22 today and they might be done they might be done they might still look in the portal though i'm telling you i just don't think dabo swinney's put his heart and soul into portal recruiting because they just they have no success why does clemson not have any success getting real players out of the portal? Is it because they just don't try hard? They're giving it lip service? They can tell people, yeah, we offered four guys. But did they really go after them, say, with all the uh, fervor that they go after your five-star high school kid? You know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe they're not playing the portal game as well as others and they're not getting some of these guys. (coughs) Excuse me. We'll hear from Dabo Sweeney coming up. Just finished up with Shane Beamer. You know, Shane's thing, he went about an hour, but his first part was about trying to put this past season behind and making sure everybody knows that he's not happy being home for the holidays. I mean, don't get me wrong. He Obviously, he loves the holidays and loves being with his family, but he wants to be practicing. He wants to be getting ready to go to a bowl game. He said it's the first time in 16 years of coaching college football he hasn't been involved in bowl prep. And he pretty much vowed not to let that happen again. I mean, he'll do everything he can, but he he's going to try to make sure South Carolina is not home for the holidays in the future. We'll hear from him as well. So, Obviously, uh, there was some activity today on both fronts for South Carolina Clemson. We'll go over all of that. Catch up on some other notes. We got uh, classes in as well from Furman and Charleston Southern and Wofford and Coastal's been signing some people and tweeting it, but they haven't put together an organized list yet. But maybe we can piece something together. So we'll hear from uh, Beamer and Sweeney, and we got SC Wild tonight at seven thirty. Major. Billy Downer is going to be here with his annual Christmas shopping show. What is it that the outdoors person in South Carolina could use for the holidays? You know, might be some, a pair of boots, might be a set of binoculars, could be, uh, could be a rifle, you know, could be anything, could be camouflage, wear, whatever. He'll have an interesting list. He always does. He'll have an interesting list. To share with us when he joins us, seven thirty. So we're going to try and take some phone calls too. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Quick word on Gamecock basketball since I got over to uh, some of the some of the game last night, second half. South Carolina went through and the Gamecocks a hey, one by ten, but I'm telling you, they're ten and one, which is matching. One of their best starts ever. Only five times in their history have they been ten and one to open a season. But I don't know that I'm buying stock in this team just yet. Too many, too many down to the wire games they're playing here recently against teams that aren't very good. At least if you go by the net ranking, okay? Uh, like Winthrop was 185, I think, in the net, and they they struggled. That was a two point game, three point game late. Uh, same thing when they played Charleston Southern the other night, and Charleston Southern's like one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to the net. Uh, same thing when they played East Carolina. That's a team with a net like in the upper 200s or maybe low 300s. So my point is, and the first thing that Lamont Paris pointed out, and it's true, it's hard to win. A win is to be coveted and uh, appreciated. I get that, but, you know, is it real or is it fool's gold? We'll find out soon enough, because I mean they got a chance here to win out their last uh, what three games? Tw- two games, last two games before they get the conference play They'd be twelve and one going into SEC play. But then it gets it gets for real. All right. So, but we want to focus here tonight on uh, the recruiting side of things. So um, let me uh, start by talking about. What has happened, if you haven't been paying close attention today, I can help you out there by bringing you up to date on what transpired. So, uh, South Carolina, Clemson, things got rolling, of course, right at 7 o'clock. Clemson, they reported their first signee at 7.01. In fact, two of them came in at 7.01. The Tigers didn't lose anybody off of their commitment list coming into today, and they added a couple of offensive linemen. Elijah Thurman from Hinesville, Georgia. That one was expected. Mason Wade was wait to today, and he flipped from Duke to Clemson. He is 6'5", 290 out of Purcellville, Virginia, and he had been committed to Duke until the coaching change there with the Blue Devils. Put him back on the market. So the Tigers like him as a, as a big offensive tackle, uh, and they like uh, Thurman as an interior offensive lineman, 6'3", 275. So they add those two to go to their previous uh, commitment list. South Carolina added wide receiver DeBron Gatling out of Alpharetta, Georgia, 5'11", 180. He had been committed to Texas A&M. South Carolina stayed on him. He took an official visit to South Carolina in November and ends up with the Gamecocks. Justin Stepp never gave up on him. You give him credit for getting this one done. And, you know, Gatling looks like a good player. He might be like a Josh Van kind of player. You know, a good high school player, good high school receiver in, out of Georgia who had good offers uh, Alabama, Oklahoma, LSU, Miami, Ole Miss, Penn State, and Tennessee. Van had the. Same type of deal. It took Van a little while to establish himself, maybe like three years. Hopefully, for South Carolina's sake, it won't take this kid that long. He had 84 catches, 964 yards, 11 touchdowns this season. I mean, I don't know if his if his style is like Josh Van. I just kind of compare him because um, uh, they're about the same size. Maybe Van was a little taller, but they both come from the uh, Atlanta area, uh, and they both come with some – with some expectations. So good pickup for the Gamecocks there. Now, South Carolina ended up losing Braden Lee, the cornerback out of Maryland. So for the second time in recent memory, the Gamecocks lose a committed player on signing day to Maryland, who is from up that way. Uh, you recall that, uh, the linebacker a couple of years ago, uh, Jay Sean, Jay Sean, Jay Sean, what's his last name? Anyway, he's transferring to Michigan after two good years at Maryland. But he was with the Gamecocks and flipped on them on signing day. And today it was the cornerback, Braden Lee, who flipped to Maryland. Now, if we want to understand, Lee's got some family stuff going on that kind of pushed him to stay close to home. So that's kind of understandable. The Gamecocks uh, passed on signing receiver Zymerion Lang. He ended up signing with Toledo's. So that that's another one off their uh, commitment list that uh, they did not sign. And then there is a transfer receiver Jared McGowan. And from what we understand, he appears to be headed elsewhere. Of course, Boston College is what's been talked about. Now, just a few minutes ago, I got a text message from Jaden. Because we had communicated before he committed, and we've tried to communicate, or I've tried to communicate with him since uh, things popped up that he might not be headed to South Carolina. And he got back to me just a few minutes ago, and I think he wants me to read this message. So he writes, I'm not sure how to go about this situation now that people are lying and saying I asked South Carolina for more money after I committed, and also that I tried to use the Boston College offer as leverage. I've never done that, and you can also ask Coach Step. I've never told them how much BC offered to begin with because the money is not that important. What's important is to be somewhere that I will get to show off my abilities and ultimately get me drafted to the NFL. He continued, I don't know where these false reports are coming from, but I just wanted to clear the air and state that the NIL situation is completely false. Still not, still not completely positive, but my hesitancy is due to things other than money because I told South Carolina and Boston College that my next move isn't to be paper chasing because I was offered more money somewhere else, and I'm not entertaining that school. And if I was so worried about money instead of football, I could have simply stayed at Vandy. So that is what he has shared with us here just a few minutes ago, and I appreciate him reaching out and getting that to us. So, I you know, I had heard today, I was told today that it did not look like he would end up in South Carolina. Um, I've asked him what his plans are, if he's got something figured out, and he's not answered that yet. So, that is the latest there. So, right now, he's not signed, as far as I can tell, he's not signed with anybody. So, he's still out there. So, we'll see what happens. Um, and I hope that it works out. For him uh, to 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 suit him to suit his best interest, and he gets exactly what it is he's looking for, whether it's at South Carolina, Boston College, or somewhere else. So that is the situation there, uh, and I think we've told you about everything with uh, with South Carolina that uh, they got done today, as far as uh, who they added to, and, who they added, and and who they lost. So uh, let's um once again recap the day for South Carolina Clemson as far as who is is coming in for the two programs after the smoke has cleared today. So Clemson with 22, and they've got cornerbacks to Fagan, Ashton Hampton, Corian Gibson, defensive ends Darian Mayo, Adam Kisayi, defensive tackles Champ Thompson, Heaven Brown Schuler, linebackers Drew Woods, Sammy Brown, Oh, and I should mention, C.J. Kuba-Taylor. Did that, uh, I mean, did he announce this morning or was that yesterday? He's a recent addition. It all runs together. I think we had that yesterday. Yeah, he committed yesterday. C.J. Kuba-Taylor. Offensive guard, Ronan O'Connell. Center, Watson Young. Yeah, Sweeney said they're going to play him at center. And tackle, Mason Wade. And guard, Elijah Thurman. Place kicker, he calls the best in the country. Nolan Hoosier, they pronounce it Hoosier, H-A-U-S-E-R, Nolan Hoosier, like Hoosiers of Indiana. Running back David Iziomumi, safeties, Noah Dixon, Ricardo Jones, Joe Wilkerson, tied in Christian Bentonker, receivers T.J. Moore and Bryant Wesco. Now for South Carolina with 16 high school signees and eight Transfers, 16 high school and junior colleges, one JC, and then eight portal signees. So one cornerback, Jalewis Solomon. Defensive ends, Dylan Stewart, Kyle Kennard. Those are two. Tell you what, they are both listed at 6'5", 238. So the Gamecocks have gotten bigger at the defensive end spot. That's sort of not quite Clowney but Clowney was a – what was he – Six, uh, about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 280 out there. I mean, he was a monster. Uh, Jerome Simmons, six four three thirty three defensive tackle. DeAndre Jules, 6'3", 3'10", uh, defensive tackle. Beamer said he told his returning defensive tackles. I'm going to get you some help in there. Uh, William Gregory, linebacker. Fred Johnson, linebacker. Blake Franks, offensive guard. Offensive tackles, Cam Pringle. And Josiah Thompson, punter. Mason Love, who can also be a place kicker. Quarterback Dante Reno. Running backs Matthew Fuller, Oscar Attaway, Rocket Sanders, Jaworn Howell. Safeties Kelvin Hunter, David Boosey, Gerald Kilgore. Tight ends Michael Smith, Brady Hunt. Receivers Mario Bennett, Jared Brown, and Debron or Debron Gatling. So those are their classes to the moment. All right. um, Let's give you some other uh, notes on the day as we continue to recap this uh, signing day, early signing period here in uh, South Carolina, in America, and around the world. You know, it's National Signing Day everywhere, not just in America. All around the world, people are celebrating National Signing Day. So some other news. Georgia transfer offensive lineman Joshua Miller said he's been contacted by Auburn, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, Tennessee, Penn State, Liberty, Marshall, and some others. Since entering the portal today, Auburn has offered. We mentioned him because Clemson recruited him last year out of high school in Virginia. I reached out to him to see if he'd had any contact from Clemson or South Carolina. He said not yet, but he'd be open to it if they were open to it. Gaffney quarterback Riley Staten to Catalba. Former USC receiver Omega Blake to East Carolina. Clemson target Tennessee transfer offensive lineman Addison Nichols to Arkansas. Former USC commitment receivers Imarion Lang to Toledo, as I mentioned. Hilton head defensive end Shaquille Thompson to East Carolina. Somerville receiver Yannick Smith, East Carolina. Wilson receiver... Gyron Waiters, East Carolina. Linebacker Decaius Brinkley, son of the former Gamecock star linebacker Jasper Brinkley, to Kansas. Receiver Bray Staley, Strom Thurmond, Tennessee. Riverside defensive tackle Marcus Downs, UCF. Chapin native Jaden Bradford, Liberty. Irmo running back Jaden Allen Hendricks signed with Oklahoma State. I want to see how he does out there. I mean, it's bad as the defenses are out there, as big as he is, he might run for 100 miles. Seriously, he could do some damage. Christchurch running back Deshaun Reeder, Northwestern. Hammond tied in. Mike Taylor, he's in the 25 class. He was offered by Virginia. Uh, Sean Barham, that's the linebacker I was trying to think of, who was at Maryland transferring to Michigan. He's the former USC commitment. Midland Valley running back Trayvon Dunbar to West Virginia. So he's going to get his chance on the high level. Uh, USC offensive lineman Jalen Nichols is in the transfer portal, John, reported by 24-7 Sports this afternoon. That is uh, a blow to the Gamecocks offensive line. He didn't play last year because of injury, but he's got lots of experience behind him. Charleston native safety Lawson Pritchett of Rabin Gap, Georgia, signed with Georgia Tech. Okay? And there's other signings around the state. Don't get me wrong. Other guys go in other places. These are just some that uh, caught my eye, caught my attention as we were watching things today. Let's gave me the Furman signees. Offensive lineman Noah Akinsola from Frisco, Texas. Six five two eighty five. Defensive end Malachi Dobbins from Elm City, North Carolina, six three, two thirty five. Offensive lineman Chase Gregork from TL Hanna, six four two seventy five. Running back Gavin Hall, Gainesville, Georgia. Quarterback Trey Hedden from Tampa. He's big kid, six three, two twenty. How about this one? Receiver Devin Hester Jr. Well, if he's got the skills of his dad, look out. He's out of Athens. 5'10, 165. Defensive back, Den Johnson, Pelham, Georgia. Defensive lineman, Bruce Nauber from uh, Greenville High. He was very good in the Touchdown Energy Bowl. Defensive back, Jordan Miller, Conyers, Georgia. Offensive lineman, Steven Odell from Jonesville, uh, Broom High School. Tight end, Jackson Pope from Boone, North Carolina. And receiver Santino Varvel from Goodyear, Arizona. How about that? Out near Phoenix, I think that's where that's located. Wofford receiver Ivory Akins of Miami. Tied in Carlos Anaya from Barstow, Florida. And also Victor Valley. I wonder if that's a, a junior college. He went to Riverside Prep and then Victor Valley. I'm not sure if that's another prep school or JC. Safety, C.J. Coombs from Belafonte, Delaware, and also Tulsa, uh, University of Tulsa. Receiver, Jaden Fowler, uh, McDonough, Georgia. Tight end, Isaiah Haythcock, a transfer from Washington. Quarterback, Eric Handley, 6'2", 200 from Birmingham. Offensive lineman Mason Howard, 6'7", 300, a transfer from ODU. Offensive lineman Javon Lindsey, Medina, Ohio. Offensive lineman Gavin Major, who goes 265, and Lindsey goes 285. He's from Charlotte. Gavin Major from Charlotte. Uh, Cornerback Darius Malcolm from Atlanta. Defensive end Ramon McCullough from Daytona Beach. He's 6'2", And offensive lineman Alicia Samples from Mount Airy, North Carolina, transfer from East Carolina, six-four-two-eighty-four. Charleston Southern. Defensive lineman Mylon Bowen from Orlando. Defensive back, Kenai Cook from Burns. Rashawn Cunningham, wide receiver from Chapman. Offensive lineman Christian Eccles from Silver Bluff. Quarterback Jared Eccles from Ellenwood, Georgia. Defensive back Shamar Hall from Powder Springs, Georgia. Offensive lineman Justin Joe from South Florence. Defensive lineman C.J. Landrum from Hendersonville, North Carolina. Tied in Hassan Lee, Jr. from White Knoll. Defensive lineman Dylan Manuel, Stockbridge, Georgia. Offensive lineman Parker McClendon, Powder Springs, Georgia, 6'2", 3'20". Defensive back Anthony Palk from Douglas, Georgia. Offensive lineman Colin Sorensen, from Niceville, Florida, 6'4", 275". Linebacker Gregory Wardlaw, South Fulton, Georgia. Defensive back Christian Washington from Marshville, North Carolina. And defensive lineman... Jaden Wilson-Abrams from Clemson, but he goes to Greenville High. That would have cost you three uh, additional counters with the new rules today, I would say. All right, that's what we've got there and there and there. I'm going to try and figure out the Coastal Carolina signees as well. And uh, we'll take some phone calls, and we're also going to hear from those coaches, uh, Sweeney and Beamer and sc wild at the bottom of the next hour let's say hello to pat
2: hey corn what a day what a day (laughs) happy hump day to everybody out there now corn i'm about to come at you a little bit come please don't take it too personally but uh i can't bite my tongue here man everything else was great loved the recap there but that opening monologue was one of the most negative downtrodden openings we've had on this program that i can remember that Clemson and Dabo don't care about the portal and are failing. Beamer mm-hmm. and the Gamecocks failed this season, missed a bowl game, and Beamer is sad. Lamont mm-hmm. Paris and the Gamecock basketball teams, mm-hmm. 10-1 and start, are just fool's gold, so mm-hmm. fans shouldn't get excited. Mm-hmm. That's a choice. Mm-hmm. Another choice would have been to look at the positives, and I'm mm-hmm. going to choose to do that. Okay. Clemson and South Carolina football both turned in top 20 ranked recruiting classes today. Dabo didn't take anybody in the portal, but did flip a much-needed offensive line recruit from Duke today. Coach Beamer has publicly acknowledged the Gamecocks falling short this past season. He's taken accountability and wants to improve next season, starting with this next recruiting class. Gamecocks basketball head coach Lamont Paris' squad has turned in the best start to a season in Columbia since 2016-2017, and even if it is fool's gold, we don't know yet, but it might be. Reminds me a lot of the 06-07 Oliver Purnell squad up in Clemson that started out 17-0, missed the tournament. But even if it is fool's gold, this early success is the next step in Paris rebuilding a winning program in Columbia. Winning breeds winners. Recruits out there are far more likely to sign with the Gamecocks after a 10-1 start than they were last year after a 5-6 start. So I just think that there's a lot of positives we could focus on here instead of just focusing on the negatives. But that's, that's just me.
1: Well, now, let me say this. When's the last time a Clemson person celebrated taking a player from Duke in football? Uh, number Duke's two. Pretty good the last couple years in basketball. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. And uh, we can go on, and we will after the break. <laughs> Mad at you. I ain't mad at you, Pat. It's all good. Come at me. Come at me sometime. Come at me like Terry Kennard. Come at me, bro. Um talk about that in just a second. But no. Uh I didn't think I was being negative. I thought I was being real. I'm trying to be this is, you know, as Rush Limbaugh would say, I'm the mayor of Reelsville. I'm trying to be real here and look at things, not caught up in the moment, the emotions that you get when you follow the hyperbole that you see on the internet. And I think that as far as South Carolina basketball team is concerned, I think 10-1, and one, it looks pretty, but they haven't looked pretty. And they're, they're getting some wins, but they're just skating by. You know, they have made they, – they, they're going to live and die with the three. In their um, last – let me think now. They went one for 15 from three in the second half against Charleston Southern, and last night – they went five, four, 26. So in their last three halves, a game and a half, they are six for 41 from three. And that's not going to get it done when they get to play big boy basketball games coming up, right? So And I worry about their inside games for them inside game two, when they start playing bigger, more physical teams that have better and, and deeper talent inside. Uh, as far as the recruiting, yeah, you listen, there's, you're right. It's um, it's always a feel-good day. You're bringing in a new crop. South Carolina's got good players in their recruiting class. They've got eight guys who are going to play in national all-star games. They've got two guys that the uh, national analysts consider to be five-star players. That's more than South Carolina normally brings in in a recruiting class. They, they have done a good job. I'm not, I wasn't negative about, about that. Uh, and, of course, Clemson's got their typical – class. Well, maybe not. They're from the ranking standpoint, I think they are they've been downgraded some. I mean this is you know, Clemson's used to being, you know, top four, top five, you know, Dabo joking about never winning the recruiting championship, but they they're in the top five. But this one's gonna be mid teens it looks like. And South Carolina's gonna be uh like eighteen, nineteen, but still they're gonna be ninth or tenth in the SEC when you boil it all down. So they still, you know,
2: the road ahead is is not going to be easy. So And that's gotta be so discouraging if you're a Gamecock fan or any SEC team these days, quite frankly. You're a middle of the pack type team trying to take that next step. To your point, you finish in the top twenty in the recruiting, but you're in the back half of your own conference. That's A, it says a lot about the SEC and how powerful of a conference it is, but also that's just that's that's quite the uphill battle. And again with you might end up being right. I don't totally disagree with with much of what you said, or really maybe maybe even any of it. But and I'm not trying to be a sunshine pumper. But sometimes I like to, I don't know try to look at the positive, even if the Gamecock team, this men's basketball team, does start to to go a little downhill. Maybe they can't quite keep up this momentum in, in conference play because you pointed out they do have some glaring weaknesses. But this team, going back to Lamont Paris's very first introductory press conference, I remember being for there being there for that and. He's just so impressive, but what was most impressive is his knowledge on the defensive end. And his teams, he talked about how he didn't have the guys last year, but he says a little bit more this year, he has the length he wants, especially on the perimeter. He likes those, those big-bodied guards who are able to get up and put pressure right up on a guy. Maybe even all the, not full court, but up to at least mid-court. And he has that a little bit more this year. He's starting to build something, so I just, I don't know, I like to choose to look at they're ten and one right now. That's a lot better than the five and six start last year. Mm-hmm. So that's at least a step in the right direction. Even if it doesn't, even if they do miss the tournament, but they have a shot. And right now, the the Tigers are in the top twenty. The Gamecocks are barely outside of the top twenty-five. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of positives that to be looked at right now. I think as well. Yeah, yeah, they're building themselves a little bit of cushion, a little bit of
1: wiggle room, but they got to play better. As simply as that. They they did not play well last night. They let Winthrop hang around with them. Right. And, I mean, every win is supposed to be appreciated and coveted, and I get that, but you got to play better basketball. They had some lapses with the ball, and uh, they never could put Winthrop away. They never could put Choso away.
2: Right. Uh, East Carolina played them to a four-point game on the road. I'll give you that. So, And I but- hope they don't end up like that 06-07 uh, Oliver Purnell squad up at Clemson but there are some similarities even when you talk about the depth and maybe the lack of size that team started out 17 and 0 and they were I don't remember how high they were ranked but I believe they got into a, somewhere around the top 15 or so and then they ended up finishing the season 21 and 10 they were on the bubble they were 7-9 in the 7 and 9 the conference and and they lost they needed a win or two in the in the tournament and I don't believe they got it they got I think it was an early loss to Florida State but either way they um, They did not quite make it. They made it all the way to the championship game at the NIT where they lost to West Virginia. But again, that's not where you want to be.
1: All right. And we have to address the Terry Kennard Facebook post that came out. Well, it came out yesterday, but I didn't see it until last night. I had no clue of it last night when we were doing it on the show. So, long story short, Kennard went on Facebook. Allegedly, Kennard did. And his son, Jaden Kennard... In fact, I think we were the ones that broke the story because I got it from some folks in Sumter that uh, he was going to go to Clemson as a preferred walk-on, and he did. Jaden was a player at Sumter High, and he went to uh, Clemson, and he was there for a couple of seasons. But then, Terry Kennard, allegedly, he wrote, it's under his name, on Facebook, made some allegations that Sweeney was over-the-top harsh to his son and insulted him, called him names, purposely belittled him uh, in practices in front of other players. Now, during his press conference this morning related to the signing day, he was not asked a question about it. Sweeney wasn't. And... Uh, We weren't there. I tried to get through via Zoom, but couldn't be heard, couldn't get through. So I couldn't ask the question. Nobody there in the room asked the question. But apparently, later on, he was asked about it. I'm reading a story in the Greenville News by Scott Kiefer. And he writes that, um, let me find it here. He writes, um, uh, let's see. Um, Sweeney refuted that claim Wednesday saying he chewed out several players following accountability runs scheduled by longtime strength and conditioning coach, Joey Batson quote, a couple of teams had to run, but one team in particular had to run several over and backs. And there were about five or six guys that got their butts chewed out and they earned it. He said, following his signing day press conference. Okay. So this was asked, away from the microphone after the conference was over. And he quoted, he was quoted as saying, quote, that's really it. Other than football at this level uh, is not for everybody and the commitment, the discipline, the accountability, the mental toughness. Again, it's hard at this level. That's really all there is to say. End of the quote. Um At the very end of his post, the Kennard family wrote, uh, Terry wrote, uh, or whoever wrote it, Terry Kennard or whoever wrote, that uh, the Kennard family are no longer loyal Clemson fans. Of course, Terry Kennard, one of the greatest high school players, one of the greatest players, period, to ever come out of this state. A man among boys. Seriously, he was a man among boys at Clemson. You would see him. He was so big as a safety, Uh, he just towered over people back there. And then, of course, he had a terrific NFL career. His name is on the stadium. He's in the Clemson football ring of honor. So what do you do? I mean, if you're Terry Kennard and you're this upset, do you request that they take your name down from the stadium? If you're this upset about something, is this much to do about nothing? Is this a, a, a parent, a father, maybe a mother going over the top over something? Maybe a son who just, you know, maybe doesn't want to be there or or can't handle the hard coaching that you get sometimes. Um I mean coaches have to coach and sometimes they have to coach really, really tough. There's certain things you don't do, of course, but some of the allegations made here do not fit in the uh, characterization of, of Dabo Sweeney over all these years of coaching football at Clemson. I'm sure there are times he's raised his voice at players and yelled at them and hollered at them and maybe, you know, called them, I don't know, slow, slobbish, um, whatever kind of words you might use um, when you chew out players for not getting the job done. It's part of coaching. So I'm glad that Swinney has addressed it here as far as responding to uh, questions about it. And, again, his answer was basically this is the result of them putting some players through some <laughs> tough conditioning runs because of how they've been handling their business. And somehow from that, he says it got construed into uh, something else, that Terry Kennard has posted on his Facebook page. So I imagine I would imagine this is going to be much to do about nothing at the end of the day. Once they get down to Jacksonville, start practicing for the bowl game and uh, get their focus on that, it'll be much to do about nothing. I would think I can't imagine that the Kennards will pursue this any further. You know, I would think it'd be a dead issue by now. I mean, Obviously, their son is probably no longer with the football team, I guess. And he wasn't going to be a player for them. It's not like he was a contributor. He was going to be a player. Um, you know. Maybe they should have been, I don't know, again, not there. Maybe there's a little truth both ways. I don't know. But maybe you should be a little bit appreciative of the opportunity that Dabo Sweeney and Clemson gave your son when other major programs – we're not going to do that, you know. Maybe there should Fair. be a little bit more appreciation there. And look, as long as there was no hands-on a player, which there wasn't here apparently, as long as there was there were no uh, there, there was no racial epithets thrown that way, which that's not being claimed here. Um, as long as they didn't make them do anything out of the ordinary football punishment conditioning aspect of a practice. I mean, I don't know where you go with this thing. I don't know what you hang your hat on here as an argument from a parent's side. I mean, Terry Kennard, of all people, should know how tough a football practice is.
2: My God, he played at the highest level. And he played in the 80s. He played old school football not now, which I think we all kind of agree is a little quote-unquote softer. You know, you can't quite – Yell at players yeah, or great players like that. Nothing soft about Terry Kennard. Exactly. Right. I mean, he would flat take there's your head off. Mountain of a man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, there's a fine line between. I hope this comes out right, but there's a fine line between wanting the best and being protective of your child and then being like a helicopter parent. You know, and maybe being a little too involved. And I don't know if right here you're kind of kind of straddling that that line a bit. But also, and I might catch grief for this, but as somebody who was in locker rooms and on teams his entire life, I mean. And he's a legend around Clemson. He's a legend around the state. Great NFL circles as well. It's almost one of the unwritten rules, like a cardinal sin. You don't air stuff like this. You keep this private. You keep this in the locker room. You keep this in-house. So it makes me either think, A, it crossed a line and was bad enough where he felt he had to, Or this was an an overly emotional response that now I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a little bit of regret, like, oh, crap, why did I post that on Facebook? Why did I switch it public? Why did I air this out there? Because what are you gaining from this? What is your end goal here? Do you want to force a fan base to choose between you or Dabo Sweeney? Because I hate to say it, I don't think that's going to go the way you think it is. It's one thing if Clemson had not won two national championships in the last handful of years, and you could point out that you're the only... You're part of the only team to ever win it. But now Dabo Sweeney's got two to your one. I do not think that is going to go the way you think it is. A little bit about what Kennard wrote here, just so you have a little understanding. He writes that
1: he, Sweeney, made Jaden's last two practices the worst experience of the entirety of his time he was there. He purposely belittled Jaden, insulted him, and called him names. This two-day public onslaught went far beyond anything resembling any kind of appropriate coach-to-athlete exchange. Coaches can use tough tactics when trying to get the best out of a player. This was definitely not that. It became obviously personal, and it was obviously overkill, end quote. So, I mean, listen, I've never been inside a real Clemson practice. You know, they let the media in sometimes from afar to watch four or five or six periods, and then you're gone when the real coaching begins. Um, We have this impression that Dabo Sweeney is this uh, Bible-toting, easygoing, uh, not necessarily in-your-face kind of coach who's not going to dress you down and say bad things to you. Uh, Is that a correct is that a correct understanding of, of what he is on the football field? Or does he grab your face mask? Does he get in your face? Does he chew you out? Does he does he tear you down to build you back up, you know, like like a lot of coaches do? So I don't know if obviously uh, Jaden Kennard told his his family about those two practices, and maybe he made it more personal for him than it really was. It sounds to me like, from what Sweeney said, he was chewing out the whole bunch of them, the whole group of them for their accountability, uh, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, et cetera, et cetera, and he took them to task, not the kid individually, but them, and for some reason, maybe he felt like he was, maybe he sing, Maybe he singled him out. He may, hey, Jaden, you know, you're Terry Kennard's son. You should be better than this. You should be getting after it more. Maybe he did that. Maybe he singled out the fact that he's got great football genes he should be doing more maybe he took I'm just thinking out loud here you know maybe he did something like that
2: maybe even stuff like that I mean I think back to playing days and I obviously never been a past high school but even back in like high school sports coaches typically would be the hardest on the players they thought had the most talent and maybe the players that they thought needed a bit of a push to actually have that talent come out and finally show itself so maybe even or like even if he did do that I can't see that as necessarily a bad thing either yeah
1: all right, we got to run to a break. You know, and one—you notice I've said uh, Terry. It's got Terry's name on it. It's on his Facebook. But I mean, I've interviewed Terry back when he was in college and and since, and uh, it didn't seem like something that he would particularly himself write. You know, uh, speculation is maybe someone else in the family wrote it, but it's got his name on it. It's on his Facebook, so he's got to kind of. Take the credit or the blame for it, however you want to look at it. All right, we've got to hit the break. Be back in a moment.
0: South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions, plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports. And wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device.
1: Hey, this is Phil Kornbluth. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait, order today.
3: Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 730, it's another edition of SC Wow from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network.
0: Call
2: The extra early, extra
1: late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens
0: doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you touchstone energy cooperative members save more more on electricity and members save more on insurance groceries health care restaurants travel concerts and sporting events through co-op connections Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
1: I got a lot to do. We've got some people waiting. I do have Coastal's list. Thank you, Rickson Lane, for getting that out. But some people have been waiting, so let's take a couple of phone calls here and uh, hear what's on your mind. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky
2: number for you here on Sports Talk. Go ahead and take us to the call, pack because I just opened up the sheet. Oh, yeah, sure. Happy to. So first – and Hank, keep holding, man. We got, uh, you're up next, but first we go visiting over in Surfside. David in Surfside. I believe this might be a new caller. Welcome into the program, David.
4: Hey, guys. I've uh, I've called a couple of times, but uh, yeah, I don't call often. But uh, hey, I was actually going to talk about recruiting, but um, I actually had a little insight on the uh, Terry Kennard that I wanted to talk about. Is um, First of all, I went to Sumter High with Terry, and I can tell you, I can vouch that Terry is a stand-up guy, top quality, great family, and in the Sumter community, he's just extremely well thought of. So uh, um, he, he's there, there's a lot of validity I put in anything Terry would say. But you know, the whole reason he was upset was he said his son was on the practice team and didn't ever get any any involvement with Sweeney. Never once was recognized by Sweeney, and then all of a sudden he transfers or says he's going to transfer, and then Sweeney is trying to make an example of him and show him up at practice and rides his tail. And I think that's the big thing, is he's not saying that Sweeney was being a tough coach. It was like he's been ignored on the practice squad. All of a sudden he says he's transferring, and then now he's getting the wrath of uh, Sweeney. And I think Sweeney was making an example of him. We don't know. I mean, there's there's two sides to a pancake. Hmm. But I can vouch that Terry uh, Kennard is a top-notch guy, well thought of within the Sumter community. And uh, you just um, – I can't say enough about Terry.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. And that's why this was surprising. And, I mean, listen, it's not my war. I'm not fighting it. I think it would have been wiser if you have a problem like that. Just deal with the coach straight up in a private meeting. Why put something on Facebook? Why put it out – On social media where people do now take sides you're going to have people you know who say this yeah people who say that nobody really knows the truth because nobody else was there but all you do when you put something on social media like that is leave it open for interpretation by each person and i don't think that does anybody any good you hurt you know if you're trying to hurt sweeney's image well you're not because he's not going anywhere and he's got thousands of supporters, okay? I mean, hundreds of thousands of supporters. You're not going to hurt his image. All you're going to do is get some of the fan base to rain down on you, those who don't appreciate what you did for them back in the 80s and don't see your name up on the stadium and don't understand the history there. So, I mean, I would have taken it behind closed doors and had a meeting uh, with Dabbo Sweeney and say, hey, what's up, dude, you know, if you got a problem. That seemed to me – but I'm not in those shoes, so I don't – I can't – I'm only talking about from where I'm sitting. So, But you're everything you yeah. said about Terry Kennard uh, from my – well, I was very young when he was playing, but from my experiences with him then and even you know, later on, first-class, top-notch guy, great athlete, great Clemson Tiger. I, to my knowledge, I've never seen a former Clemson player come out and go verbal like this against a Clemson coach. Um, yeah, you know maybe they did what? back in the Hatfield days when they were mad at him, or but I I can't remember anybody go, you know going right after a coach over something like this. Thank you so much for the call, That gummit It's the top of the hour. We got to hit the break and we'll be back.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Blue Pat Daniel with you tonight and we got to jump right to things so I tell you what Pat why don't we go to Shane Beamer to get things rolling got to hear from these coaches that's on me Hank sorry man yeah sorry about that we'll get back to you in the future but we got to get to the coaches because it is signing day and we do like to hear from the coaches on signing day and then we got SC Wild coming up at the bottom of the hour and it's the Christmas extraordinaire version of sc wild here on sports talk and major down is going to have a bunch of gift items in mind for you for that so stay tuned there and what's the problem we having trouble getting the oh, okay so
2: yes for technology folks out there if you're ever in a shared computer work computer with folks don't go updating software somebody updated our computer and erased out all of our saved passwords, all of our favorites, all of our saved web pages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just par- bear with me for a minute. I'm having to kind of reconfigure everything. So, corn just give me two minutes or so to get this get this fixed. All right,
1: that's good. While you do that, I'm going to give the list of the assignees from uh, Coastal Carolina because we've got that here as well. So give me just a second. And I'm also going to put this, uh, this Dabo Sweeney over here where you can get it. So... Yeah, we're both trying to do a couple of things at the same time. And I'm afraid we're not doing anything real well right now, to be quite honest with you, as I try to get this done. In other
2: words, we could have gone to Hank. <laughs> well, we possibly could have,
1: but then we'd have never gotten him off and uh, we wouldn't be able to get to anything. Uh, nothing personal there, Hank. Uh, don't, don't take it um, as a personal attack. All right, to the uh, Coastal Carolina signees then. I got those right here. And they signed 19 today. Uh, (laughs) Hang on a second. (laughs) I mean, this is crazy. Technology is a beautiful thing uh, when it works. So here are the signees for Coastal Carolina. And they signed linebacker Jajorm Akpalu, a linebacker, 6'3", 220, Warrington, Virginia. Uh, Offensive lineman Logan Brassfield out of Yorkville, Illinois. Bandit Jaden Bryant out of Clover 64210. Defensive back Zach Cody, Coppel, Texas, 6 feet 175. Defensive back Jaitlin Hampton out of Trinity Valley Community College, 5'11", 165 Receiver Jalen Harris out of Harrisburg, North Carolina, 63-195. Defensive back Chase Jackson, Moody, Alabama. Offensive lineman Daniel Jones, Valdosta, Georgia. Offensive lineman Jacob Katauskis. Lamont, Illinois, 64295. Defensive back Elijah Lee, Kennesaw, Georgia. Linebacker Servon McDowell, Denwitty, Virginia. Defensive back Xavier McIntyre, Cornelius, North Carolina. Offensive lineman Gavin McLaughlin, 65270, Concord, North Carolina. Quarterback DJ Moore, 61175, Jacksonville. Offensive lineman Julius Tate from Greenville High, 64315. Wide receiver Trey Taylor, Tyler Jr. College. He's out of Shreveport, Louisiana. I think Tyler's in Texas. Receiver Zach Wiedner from Pace, Florida. Defensive back Miles Woods, Grayson, Georgia. Tied in Zach Zandier, 6'5", 230, Exeter, Pennsylvania. There you go. The The signees for a coastal. So, Shane Beamer. A couple hours ago, met with the media in Columbia, and here is some, he went about 56 minutes, here's some of what he had to say to us.
5: We've been really, really busy, obviously, since the last uh, game. You see that uh, today, a lot of travel and and airplanes and cars and home visits and school visits and whatnot, but it's been great being able to get out on the road. Uh, but understand For me personally, this is the first time in 16 seasons that I'm not getting ready for a bowl game. 16 seasons and I love our players and I'm a positive person, but that's not okay. And never will be around here as well. Um, I'm not happy and it's my job to uh, fix it and we're gonna get it right. Season didn't end the way we wanted, to say the least. But I am proud of a lot of the things that we did do as a program this season. But I'm also not going to seek comfort. One thing that we use that expression all the time with our players, I'm not going to seek comfort and just tell myself, well, it was because of the injuries and the youth. Um, Those things are real. There's no question about it. We had to play some guys this year earlier than expected. And we're going to be so much better for it next season and beyond but it's my job as the head coach to be able to overcome those things. And it's my job as the head coach to fix those things. And and that's what we are going to do. I Also realize that we're not far off from where we want to be. Year ago at this time, when I stood up here and we did this signing day press conference, we were ranked. Uh, We were getting ready to play in a great bowl game. There was a lot of excitement and everyone was feeling good. And uh, we're not that far off from that either. That was one year ago as well. Uh, But it's my job to get us back to that feeling, but then a feeling beyond that and even more or even higher than that feeling last year. You know, I look around the country and you realize what a thin line it is from one year to the next between winning and losing. Guys and teams that maybe had a great season last year that aren't where they want to be this year. Teams that weren't where they wanted to be last season that are in a great position this year as well. Um, You know, the difference in that thin line to me is how you respond and, and how you adjust. And uh, we're gonna respond and we're gonna adjust. We do use the word love in this program a lot and that's very real. And uh, won't shy and don't shy away from that, but don't mistake when we talk about the word love, that's also the love of hard work. And that's what we've been doing and we'll continue to do to get back to where we need to be. That is a love of competition. And we love to compete here, it's a core value. And if you saw our schedule last week, what an opportunity to compete next year in 2024 against the best in the country week in, week out. Uh, I know I'm a competitor. I know I'm excited about that 2024 schedule to go compete. It's the love of doing uncomfortable things to make us better. And that's what we're in the process of doing, You know, being able to take a step back and go through the season with the people in our program and then being able to take a step back over the last month and and really focus on recruiting, you realize what quality people we have in this program, players, staff, coaches uh, that we already have here. And then we've added a lot of quality people to our program uh, today as well. Couldn't be more fired up about this class, 11 different states that are represented in this class. If you count the transfers, 11 different states always is gonna start in the state of South Carolina here at home, being able to sign four of the top five players in the state of South Carolina and keep the best ones here at home. We signed the best receiver in the state of South Carolina, Amazio Bennett, Uh, three fantastic offensive tackles here as well. And then um, uh, Kelvin Hunter at the defensive back position, You know, for the top five players, we signed our highest rated player, I believe I'm correct in saying this, ever, outside the state of South Carolina in Dylan Stewart. What a pickup that was as well. Nine guys that are ranked in the top 300 in the country. Uh, eight guys that are going to play in national All-Star games. I, I remember before you'd watch an All-Star game and you might have one guy that's coming to your school and playing in one of those games. We've got eight between the Under Armour game and the Army game. So wish those guys luck in those games as well. Uh, we got winners, six of them. In our signing class, played in their state championship game, the high school seniors. Uh, so that's great. You know, it's a smaller class, but if you just look at the, the the quality of the people in the class, it's an extremely highly ranked group, as it should be. It's a close group, and it's a low maintenance group, which is what I love. These guys are connected. Uh, they're about the right stuff. They're about ball. You can go all the way back to when. Dylan Stort, for as heralded as he is and as and as decorated as he is, his commitment was about as low maintenance as any commitment for a big time prospect that I can remember. And that's just who those guys are. I'm on a group text with them, and and last night it wasn't about delaying signing day and causing a, or making a big splash. It was who can get our letter, our, our papers in first tomorrow morning. Is what those guys were competing for. So Maisie O'Bennett was the winner. His came in right at 7, 7 a.m. and then Dante and and Pringle were a close second and third as well, but you know the whole class was signed and in by I think eight oh five and that's only because Mason loves an hour behind us so he had a little bit of a later start out in Missouri getting his stuff in as well so it's a really really solid group really really uh good players good people families I've been in their homes over the month of December, eleven guys that played multiple sports in high school, so just uh um, really excited about the people that are coming into our program and then we're not done either uh, we'll see what continues to shake over from a high school standpoint going forward but obviously uh, the portal is still open for a couple more weeks and and um, you know we're not done there either we've got some uh, positions that we still need to uh, increase the depth and competition at and we're Hard at work on that also. you know, We can take a little bit of a breath just because high school signing day is today and, and those guys signed, but uh, we spent today after those guys got in at 8.05, the rest of the day was spent communicating with uh, high school juniors and, and other guys in high school, portal guys, evaluating tape on portal guys, whatever it might be. So we're on a nonstop quest to, to make this team better and make this program better. And we took a big, big, big step today.
1: All right, Shane Beamer, all of it's on our website. He also said Mokaba is full speed ahead for returning next season. How about that? That would be awesome. That's huge. If he can come back and play. He also said all but four of the players signed today will be in school in time for spring practice. He said they're at their number at running back, tight end, and linebacker. Elsewhere, They're looking for more. He said quarterbacks in the portal, many have called him. He said many big-time quarterbacks, but they want, some of them, he said, want guarantees that they'll be the starter. And he said he's not guaranteeing anything. It's about competition. And he doesn't hear from those quarterbacks again after they've had that conversation with him. Asked about the coaching staff. He said he's still having conversations, but the focus has been on recruiting and will be for a little while. But he is looking over everything in the program and evaluating everyone, including himself. Fugar, Swigert, and Spaulding had minor medical procedures done, nothing that will keep them out for long. And Alex Herrera has gone on scholarship. He did so as soon as uh, Mitch Jeter transferred out. So there you go. Comments from Shane Beamer. After the break, we're going to hear from Dabo Sweeney. And some of his thoughts, of course, not to be outdone, he went about an hour today as well. So all of it's on our website, sportstalksc.com. Also up in podcast form on our podcast uh, locations like uh, you know, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere you find your podcasts, uh, we're there. Hit the break. Be back with Dabo Sweeney in a moment.
2: This year's Carolina and Clemson Jackpot $5 scratch-off tickets give you a chance to win up to $200,000 whether you're a Gamecock or a Tiger. Plus, you can enter your tickets into the second chance promotion for a chance to step on the field or the court to win $50, $75, or even $100,000. In this state, winning the Palmetto Series does matter that much. So get your tickets today. See sceducationlottery.com for odds and details. Winning and non-winning tickets can be entered. Second chance odds depend on number of entries received.
3: Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app
0: store. discover holiday magic with founders federal credit union now through december 31st make your holiday shopping merry and bright with our special 7.99 apr rate on select holiday purchases made with your founder's credit card you need to hurry though this rate will be gone as fast as the holidays visit foundersfcu.com cc to save big this holiday season call 1-800-845-1614 for details about credit costs and terms
1: Continuing with our signing day coverage and our recruiting, of course, is brought to you by SeaWells. SeaWells now closed the rest of the week for the holidays and into next week. So, no daily luncheon buffet the rest of this week, into next week at SeaWells. But they'll be back with the daily luncheon buffet, and they're always there for your catering needs. Just call them at 803-771-7385 and online at com. So we continue with all our recruiting coverage here on National Signing Day. We heard from Shane Beamer. Here is some Dabo Sweeney as he talked to the media this morning.
6: It's a really good group. A lot of these guys have won championships uh, throughout their tenure, and I think that's you know something that we always look at as far as where they're coming from. Um Specifically, the guys coming in, David Eze uh, Azumame uh, coming coming from North Cobb, uh, Coach Shane Queen. We're really excited about David. He's a big back. I mean, this kid has got a, a ton of personality. Uh, he's he's a he's a home run hitter, and uh, just you know, just a perfect fit for this class. You know, we were going to take one, and uh, we we feel like we got our guy and uh, he's been committed a long time. Receiver, we want to take two guys there. Uh, These guys have been committed. They came in to our visit uh, last June. They've been committed ever since. And, um, you know, these are two of the top ten receivers in the country, two great, great players that really bring everything that we're looking for. And uh, so uh, Wesco's coming in um, uh, mid-year, so he'll get a head start and really excited about – uh, him uh, and, and just, you know, the versatility of his game. Uh, he can really do a lot of things. Same thing with TJ, man, just two ball hawks. Uh, they can go up and get it. they got length. they got speed. They've got change of direction. they got the ability to do a lot of things with the ball in their hands after the catch. Uh, tied in, uh, man, you know, I feel like Christian Bentoncourt has been committed for, you know, 10 years. Uh, uh, I, think he, I think he was the first commit uh, in this class, and uh, he, he committed to me really early and he maybe announced uh, like a month later or something like that. Uh, but, man, this guy is, he is, he is special. Uh, he is a big-time playmaker. I, re- I really love what we have at our, at our tight end position. Uh, same thing at receiver and, and running back. With now these guys kind of coming and adding on to the group. It's, uh, we're in a good spot. Uh, man, just super excited about what we were able to do on the offensive line. Uh, man, it just kind of came together. You know, and just just worked out uh, in in a a great way. Uh, Ronan uh, O'Connell from Page uh, High School in Tennessee. Coach Charles uh, Rathbone. He's been committed a long time, um, and we're really really excited about. Uh, Ronan, big barrel-chested guy, thick, you know, uh, can really got a lot of uh, versatility to his game. He is a tough, tough kid, man. And I just love everything about him. He's been with us for a while. And then just you know, as things went out, we kind of started the season you know saying, "Hey, we might take two, maybe three. And then obviously we had a couple guys that that you know, uh, one had to give up football medically with, with John, and and then we had a graduate that wanted to move on, and and um, uh, so with the guys coming back, you know, we ended up saying, "Hey, what? You know, we want to try to find another center." And uh, man, we were went and got a, a kid right here that we never took our eye off, but we weren't sure we were going to have a spot. And, uh, man, Watson Young, I think he's going to be the first fourth-generation Tiger football player Uh, you know I think that's really cool his great granddad played here his granddad played here his dad played here and now this kid and he was he was uh, heading up to app but really glad it worked out uh, for him to be able to to join us and and the best thing about these four linemen is they're all mid-years so they're all going to have a chance to be here Uh, so I'm really really excited about them being on campus Mason Wade you know was a guy that committed to Duke early and uh, he, he's uh, he's from up at uh, Loudon Valley High School, uh, Coach David Bishop, uh, up in uh, Virginia, and he's a kid that was committed. Obviously, that situation changed. You know, recruiting opens back up. We were able to get back in on this kid, and uh, his mom, you know, ironically went to Clemson, and his uncle, uh, his uncle Andy, uh, went to Clemson as well. And um, he was a kid that had been in our camp early, and but he committed early uh, to Duke, and. Man, you talk about a, uh, he's the epitome of, of you know, football. I mean, the guy has just developed every year. And, and you watch his tape, that's, that's what I told him. First thing I said, I said, this is a dirt bag right here. This guy is, is he's a nice kid, but he is nasty on the football field. And, again, long. He's got great work ethic. He's a grinder. Yeah, incredibly smart, and uh, so I just I just think we checked all the boxes and we were able to get what we need. And then with the guys, you know, um, that you know we've got seven starters coming back in the offensive line. Um, And, uh, you know, really, you know, Lenthicum. you kind of put him as eight because he's going to have a chance to to be the starter. He's got to go earn it this spring, but he'll have a chance. And and you got Dietrich and Big Zach and Ian Reed and, um, you know, Chap. And now all of a sudden we're able to get four guys. It just really gets us to a good spot where we need to be from a depth standpoint. And, um so I'm excited about it. Um, this this group of linemen rolling in here and, and what they bring and all these guys offensively, I think uh, will add on well because uh, we got most everybody back. You know, just losing really putting them up front from a starter standpoint, and we got seven guys back that have started and won games for us. So um, excited about the group and uh, the mix that we'll have there. Uh, defensively, uh, and 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 who's uh, are counted in this is our kicker, nine mid years. Uh, 14 total guys there. Uh, two DNs, Darian Mayo and Adam Kasai. These, both these dudes are six 6'7". Uh, I mean, just absolute giants uh, when you see them. Uh, Mayo was a kid that, that we recruited really hard for a long time. Knew a lot about him. He's up there at good counsel with Coach uh, Stefanelli and um, a school we got a lot of respect for. They do a tremendous job there. Uh, obviously, Dorian O'Daniel came out of there. But, Mandarin is a high-level player. Uh, he's a guy that's got, a, I think, a bright future, had a great year this year. And then, Adam Kasai was a kid that was committed to another school. You know, and he, he's a neat story. Uh, he shows up at our camp, and not only did he come, he came for three days. And I'll never forget taking the picture with him at The Rock. He told me at The Rock, you know, I mean, you know, I look at him when he comes in, and, and uh, he said he was coming to get a scholarship offer to Clemson, and and I said, well, okay, well, well I'm gonna be here every day, so we'll see what happens. And uh, you know, he was here for three days. You know, he, he's playing the game. I mean, he didn't miss anything, and uh, he really won us over uh, in camp. I mean, he's got long range potential. In that, you know, the kid was a quarterback. He's played tight end, you know, and they kind of moving the D in late. Uh, so he's kind of a late blooming guy, but you, he's got what you can't coach. Uh, he can really run. Uh, he can bend. He's athletic, but he's he's six seven, and I have no idea how big this guy is going to be. But but I'm really excited about uh, his his potential and what he brings. Uh, he's a perfect guy to come in with this class with with the current roster that we have. So um, can't wait to get him going. He's a mid year. Uh, and he'll be here, and, and, and he's going to need it because it's going to be fun to watch him uh, develop between now and August. And then Daring will come in in the summer. Um, but Adams from uh, Heritage High School down in Florida, Coach Mikhail, uh, uh Benson, and then uh, D tackle, uh, we got Heaven Brown, uh, Shuler, and Champ Thompson. Two, of, two of my favorite kids that I've ever recruited. <laughs> <Where>? <laughs>
1: It's a it's a guess. We're trying to find a point to cut it cleanly as we say and we found one. Good job, Pat. Good job.
2: Did the best I could, man.
1: Heaven Brown Schuler and Champ Thompson. Heaven help us all if you have to go up against Heaven Brown Schuler. How much fun we're we going to have with that name in the, the years to come at Clemson with that guy. SC Wild coming up next.
0: Now on Sports Talk, it's S.C. Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's S.C. Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network.
1: It is time for another edition of SC Wild from DNR here on Sports Talk with the Major Billy Downer. But on this particular show, as we do at this particular time in December, it's not just Major Billy Downer. It's Santa Major Billy Downer as he comes bearing gift ideas for the great outdoors person in your life for the upcoming days of Christmas. Welcome in, sir. How are you?
3: Good to talk to you again, Phil. It's a pleasure to be here for another round of Outdoors Christmas.
1: <laughs> hey, before we get to it, though, real quick, we had that storm come through over the weekend that Northeaster with all that wind, all that rain. Were you guys called into action at any time across the state?
3: Actually, believe it or not, it caught everybody so much by surprise because no one predicted the flooding in Charleston Mm. that happened so quickly. And, yes, it was bad in Charleston. I talked to our colonel who lives there just um, yesterday and was just talking about nobody was speaking about it. You know, nobody really was prepared for that. Nobody, No weather services really predicted. um, Because in Charleston it floods when you get an inch of rain. So when you get four inches of rain, five inches of rain, high tide, not even a king tide just a high tide mm. it it uh it really played havoc with downtown charleston as it always does just so much worse and damage is being estimated still i mean you got the Ports authority there and got cars coming in i heard about cars getting flooded brand new cars that just got off the boats mm. um you know really expensive cars getting getting messed up um so it was quite the storm. You know, cars floating around in Charleston. Uh, that is a scenario where often we do get called in. But we weren't called in. You know, this time as much um, because uh, it, it just happened so quickly. And then the water subsided pretty quick after that, too. It just a you know, short time span that really hit uh, that Charleston area uh, really bad. It, the, it, uh,
1: it was a weird storm. I mean, it had hurricane-like traits to it with – a strong wind and a lot of rain. Maybe not the the the, the strength of hurricane winds, like a hundred hundred miles an hour plus, and they're they're sustained. These, I guess, maybe topped off at sixty or seventy mile an hour gusts. Maybe you know twenty five thirty miles an hour consistently. But the heavy rain, but it had kind of a hurricane feel to it, didn't it? Did you feel that?
3: It did because it comes in so quick, um, like a hurricane, and kind of moves out so quickly. As well, it just has that feel to it when it does that. But yeah, we're not used to 30 mile an hour winds, you know, sustained for any length of time, whether it be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We're not used to that. So mm-hmm. anytime it does that, and again, you have a high tide on the coast. It's a recipe for flooding, which is what Charleston saw. But uh, we did not really get called into action on that as much as again, you know, it was just a quick storm. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, we're trying to prepare for those scenarios by having swift water reaction groups or or swift water training with boats that can go into areas like that that get flooded. Typically though our swift water is going to be more of a rising flood water and pulling you know people out of houses and walking them out of flooded areas rather than really fast moving water. We do have some class category one or class whatever I don't know what classes of rapids, but we've got some rapids in this state that are the class one, two, three, four, five. I think fives are real bad ones. And they're building some kind of uh, fun rapids, so to speak, that are artificially created but yet still have the the ability to put people at risk. So we're we're trying to prepare to react to those kind of uh, events, as also local – Rescue squads at the same time But again from a statewide level We have to look at it across the whole board
1: Sure All right. let's get on to a more happier topic And that is Christmas is right around the corner You always have some great gift ideas For those who are still looking To uh, surprise that person On their list who loves to live in the outdoors Go ahead Major
3: Yep, so number one, in no particular order now, we, we, always, we always throw this disclaimer out. Yeah. In no particular order, we're not doing the top ten down to number one. Mm. In no particular order, but one of the favorites this year, uh, really out of the box, if you're buying for someone and you haven't bought that gift yet anything in old-school camo, you're going to be a top-hit winner. Whether it's a shirt, a jacket, pullover, doesn't matter it's old school camo. that old khaki and brown or the green khaki and brown you're going to be at the top of the list as far as the gift giver this year because everybody loves old school camos back in uh folks really love it uh drake makes some really good ones you can go to academy they got magellan shirts in it but people really like old school camo so that's a top gift item Anywhere from $10 to $30, $40, you know, in a, in a shirt. Or you can get up there in jackets and pullovers, you know, $50, 60 $75 as well. But you can get shirts, a really, really nice shirt, for around $29 right now in old school camo. And people will love you for it because hmm. they, they just, it's just a popular item. So old school camo is number one. Okay. All right, number two, always a good one. You'll hear me say this every year because... It's just, uh, I got examples for it, flashlights, uh-huh. whether it's, uh, you know, either rechargeable flashlights, little uh, LED flashlights that have, a, a, you know, either a, a watch battery or even um, AAA battery. You can't have enough flashlights as an outdoorsman. Example, I went hunting with some folks a couple weeks ago, and they had enough lights. So they put one light on a deer that they had found that the shot and they marked the height and walked off with another guy looking for another deer, but they left the flashlight on the deer so they could find it.
1: Huh?
3: I've never heard of that. But, but he had like four flashlights in his pocket, little small mini lights. So it just shows people can find uses for flashlights. Smart. So a flashlight, LED, of any variety, you can buy on smart. You can find them in the checkout lines, those are great stocking stuffers all the way up to a string, uh, you know, a, a stream light, rechargeable for a truck, or a really nice gift item, you know, around hundred fifty hundred dollars $150. Those are great gift items as well. But a flashlight is always a good item any time of year. Mm-hmm. So um, those are two top ones right there. So number three on my list, and always going to be one there as well, is a knife. Any outdoorsman likes a knife. Now, when you get into knives, you can go all over the place with that. You can go with a buck knife, a folding knife, a straight knife. Um, you can go with a fillet knife if you're a fisherman in your life, or a folding fillet knife. All of those are great items. All of those are excellent gift ideas because everybody needs a knife. They'll get a knife. You know, They can't have enough of them. They'll always find another use for it. A good pocket knife is also good and everybody likes something that's small it goes in your pocket so if you can find that really nice pocket knife with a clip on it or even what we used to call a church knife a little small folding knife a lot like the old case knives or um, which you used to see that had a little bone on the side those are great church knives for a dress pant that look nice but if you need that knife you can pull it out your pocket and unfold it and there it is a little small blade so a knife great stocking stuffer great gift item So right now, those are three of my top gifts for every year. Now, you know, along with all the gift giving, we talked about a cheaper line. Let's get a little more expensive for a minute. We talk about optics every year, and, you know, binoculars are always a great gift item. I say that year in, year out, but I'm always going to say that because those are things people need to see better in the stand it keeps you from using your scope as a set of binoculars a lot of hunters don't take binoculars within the deer stand particularly south carolina out west they do but they're not used to that here in south carolina so binoculars are a gift item that people will use they may not think about so a good set of binoculars you know your basic sets about 150 you can go as high as you want again um you know a, a cheaper set 150 but you can go on up there and get 250, 350, 450. Uh, Swarovski, uh, Zeiss, you get up there really expensive. Um, but a basic set of binoculars, around $150, $200, is a really nice gift. Um, and it will help the hunter in your life be safer because they won't be using that rifle scope, which people are tempted to do to look at, but to, to identify things. They should be using that binocular always. So, binoculars are a great gift item. And again, I will tell you this, the binoculars, the more you spend, the better quality. There's no doubt about it. Uh-huh. Um, the cheaper they are, the less quality they are. Um, there is there is some basic ones out there, and you can find some of the um, the Buckmaster series. If it says Buckmaster. That's a bottom line, but a very a solid um, pair of binoculars. If you get the Buckmaster line from Cabela's, you'll see those are Bass Pro. Uh, that's the bottom line, but it is got a – they're generally good quality glass. They're not going to be up there to Zeiss, Swarovski, Leopold, the um, like-up, but they're going to be a, a basic starting point and a good gift item for sure. So, again, we've talked about – just to recap, old-school camo. Mm-hmm. we talked about flashlights. we talked about a knife. We've talked about binoculars. One more thing in there. Your, your range finders. We talk about that every year, and I say that because so many more people today are getting into long distance shooting. And a range finder is a great addition to any hunter's toolbox when they go hunting because it's just hard to get, when you're using these really good scopes and you range your, your rifle and your scope, you get it set for a hundred yards, 200, 300, and beyond, you've got to know the distance. If you don't know the distance, you can't, what they call dope the scope, or you can't get that scope locked in to where it needs to be so you know where your bullets or your, your projectile or bullet's going to hit at a far distance. That is why the military uses it. They have spotters with these really high uh, high price equipment that gives them good, solid range um, so they know the distance to the target. It's just as important when you're hunting to know the target because, again, we want to make a good shot, a one-shot clean kill so animals don't suffer. So that range finder is a great item. The basic range finder around $100, you can find them at, at, at um, again, Bass Pro or Cabela's, your local hardware store maybe. But, again, if you're going out for 1,000 yards, you're going to have to pay 150 to $200 for one that will range out to 1,000 yards. you pay $100 for one, it may range to 300 yards max it's not going to do much past that if you're into long shooting or your hunter is you need to go a little bit better get that 200 250 range finder uh out there that will go out to a thousand yards and typically the range finders are numbered that way If it's a whatever the model is a 1000 that means it's good to a thousand yards if it's a 1200 it's good to 1200 yards and so forth 1400 good to 1400 yards again the further it will it will give you, the distance it's going to be able to tell, the more expensive it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But those are great gift items there as well. Now, going back down a little bit on our, on our, our list uh, as far as pricing, a couple a of couple expensive things I've talked about, but you can go back in there and, you know, fishing. Lures are great gifts. If you're, you've got a fisherman in your life, Getting lures is a good thing. Find out what they like to fish for, bass, or, or if it's inshore, you know, some great uh, inshore lures are great. Go out and get some of the fake shrimp um, that are out there, the poppers, the popping corks uh, for fishing for, you know, speckled trout, what have you, red drum. Those are great gift items. Put in a little assortment together. You can spend as little as $30 and get probably $30, $40 and get five, six, different lures and things to put together in a little nice gift for somebody that likes to fish. Those are easy. Again, you need to know what they fish for. If you go to Sportsman's Warehouse there in Columbia or any of the local uh, you know, different fishing stores around, if you tell those folks, hey, my, my, my girl, include the girls out, because girls like to fish too, they like to fish for largemouth bass. They'll be able to help you put together a quick assortment of lures that will make a nice little gift item because what they, they're going to know what's popular. Your local store is going to want to know what's popular on Lake Mary, local store on Lake Marion will know what's popular on Lake Marion. A local store, you know, up in the upstate, they're going to know what's good on Lake Kiwi. Again, on the coast, they're going to know what's good down there. Um, so lures are a great small gift item. That's something I want to add to the list this year because so many times we've forgotten the fishermen in our lives um, out there. So pass that. You know, you get into fishing a little bit more, you know, a good reel is a good gift as well. Uh, that's going to be number seven for us tonight, but the reel is a great gift item. You can go to Hadrill's in, in Charleston. You can go to Sportsman Warehouse in Columbia, uh, and you can buy a really nice basic reels in there in the range of $50 to $100 for some great spinning reels that would be great for the fishermen in your life. Now, if you want to put a rod with it, that's a great gift item as well. But again, you're going to go up. You're going to be at $150 for a rod reel combo, most likely. Um, but there are some good ones out there uh, that make a great gift item as well. Um, so, past that, going back again to our outdoors, a good pair of boots. Mm. Number eight tonight for me would be a pair of boots. And I like getting boots that people don't wear every day. Not talking about a pair of bean boots, not talking about a, a nice pair of Dan or something like that. We're talking about like a pull on pair of, of muck boots. I always say muck boots because muck boots don't go out of style. And this year, especially, um, the, the new boot in the last two or three years has really gotten popular is the little short ankle boots. Uh, there's several varieties of them out there. Um, there's a camo style out there, some brown um, boots out there, different colors gray. You can get the, uh, the Huck, H-U-C-K brand boots. Um, those are Fairly, around $99. You can go to any of your hardware stores or any of your stores, sporting goods stores. I think of Schofields and Florence, Sportsman's Warehouse. You can get those little ankle rubber boots that are really great. They make Extra Tough is probably the number one brand everybody looks at, and they're around $100. But those are a great boot for when it's wet in the yard, going fishing on a boat. The Huck boots, or the Hook boots, H2K, those are great for fishing. they got a bottom that's really good for a boat uh, to keep your, your, your footing solid in the boat. But those boots are great uh, right there. And that's probably, in the last three years, that's just overtaken the boot market is these little short ankle boots. And they're great for anything from going to field trials with dogs or going fishing. Uh, so the ankle boots, extra tough, hook, uh, are good. Um, you know, I talk about jackets, and that's something I'll always talk about. We did talk about old school but jackets, um, always a good item to add to your list for any of your Christmas um, wishes, your Christmas last-minute search, a good jacket. I always talk about Drake. Anything is going to be good. Uh, that's kind of a standard now. Browning's good. Um, you'll, you'll see those as well. Now you can get up there and get expensive. You can get the Cooey, the cooey jackets, or you can go out there and, and get the. You know, even more expensive uh, with the different jackets that are out there today. But a Drake's a good jacket for the price. Um, Columbia is always good as well, but in, in the camouflage version, Drake is just probably that standard. that's really good and not that expensive. You can find a vest for around $75. It's got really good insulation in it, or you can get a quick throw-over jacket for about $75 as well. You can get up there and get some duck hunting jackets to so get up there at 250 real quick. Um, but, again, a jacket's a great gift item. Uh, and, again, the camouflage patterns, there's so many of them out there. You don't have to go get the CUI. You don't have to go get the, the really uh, the, the more expensive jackets that are out there now that, that folks are going for. Um, you can go back to that Drake and get a really good jacket. Or, hey, just get a basic camouflage jacket. You don't have to You know, I remember getting the one piece of the big jumpsuit big deal, and those have kind of gone away, but they're coming back a little bit, too. Kind of on on special rack a lot of times this time of year. A lot of your hardware stores, sporting goods stores, will order those in just for Christmas to get that that kind of a real quick jumpsuit for a quick gift idea. So, uh, the Jack clothing like that, and to round everything out, really, for me, uh, the last gift item that I'm thinking about when I go through all the different things you know, again, thinking out of the box, mm-hmm. thinking things that people don't think about all the time, mm-hmm. what is that one thing that you might not get for your outdoors person? A good thermos. Something that keeps something warm like coffee, hot chocolate, what have you. And there are really great ones out there that are camouflaged. Um, you know, thermos makes some good ones. Coleman makes a good one um, with some really good, cool camo. I just like a metal one because they just last longer. Um, There's so many varieties of those, but a good thermos, even thermos brand, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a Yeti, but, you know, Yeti does make a really cool one now, um, and those are great gift items that somebody may not buy for themselves, but if they got it, they'd use it because on a cold morning, there's nothing better than having something to keep that beverage warm Hmm. that an hour or two hours into your deer hunt or duck hunt, especially if you leave early in the morning, four hours later, man, maybe go out at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it doesn't get light to five, six, six thirty, 6, you know, and it's now three and a half, four hours into your hunt, and you can open that, that canister up and it's still hot. That's worth its weight in gold. So finding a good thermos is a great gift item and something that the hunter and outdoorsman, your life, fishermen, they will love that, particularly in the colder months.
1: Those and are That will round ideas. out the top 10.
3: That'll round out our top 10 yeah. for this year. Adding in a few different ones that we haven't talked about in the past. Uh, but again, old school camo, that's my top pick right now, kind of for that out of the box thing. That it's just hot right now. Anything old school, they'll like it. Whether it's a wallet, a belt, a boot, if it's old school, they're going to like it.
1: Let's go bigger item real quick. Let's talk boating and if somebody wanted to gift a motor to somebody for Christmas. You're uh,
3: out. You're, you're losing your mind. That's nuts. <laughs> but, yeah, It depends on the boat, the motor, what size it is. But the motor is, you know, those are, well, it just expensive. yeah 25-horse motor for a 15, 16-foot boat. You're looking around $3,000. Ooh for a nice a motor for a boat. You know, a John boat package today, 16-foot John
1: boat,
3: and the 40 on it, you're looking around ten, twelve thousand dollars 12000 for a John boat package. Boat, motor, trailer, everything. That's what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, your basic center console boat today is around 45000 $50,000 for a 17-foot center console boat, motor, trailer. Those are your big gift items. You want to talk about
1: boats and motors? Well, I'm thinking big. I'm thinking big here for around. the holiday.
3: Well, can I get on your
1: list?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want to be on your list.
1: Well, maybe I'm thinking more in lines of a little model I want of to be a boat. Talked about the
3: Corn Blue family
1: sounds like to me. Thinking maybe of a little model. You know, we get little these little models that you put together. Um, well, that sounds great. And have you? Completed all your shopping for uh, the outdoors? People, have you gotten everything I've in line?
3: Done most of my shopping, and you know, Phil, let me throw one more in there. Okay, outside of our ten that we didn't talk about, that I, I said to myself, I need to say tonight: a lifetime hunting and fishing license oh, is always a great gift. That is, that's a bigger gift. That's a five hundred dollar gift if they're over age sixteen. If they're under sixty, they're fifteen and under. It's $400. Before they're two years old, it's uh, $300. So, again, you know, you don't think about it when you're a parent and you're worried about diapers and, Mm. and everything else. But a lifetime license from a grandparent to a child, grandchild, a parent to a child, or to that special person in your life, you really want to surprise them, give them a lifetime hunting and fishing license. And you can add to it year after year by adding salt water to it. You could add lifetime waterfowl permit to it. Um, there's some really cool additions in there of for your outdoors. And that lifetime hunting and fishing license will last them, you know, again, put them in the outdoors. And they don't have to worry about buying that hunting and fishing license anymore.
1: That's a great idea. Well, listen, thank you. You have a great holiday with the family and the newcomer to the family. I know you're going to love that. And we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you so much, but uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks, Major.
3: Merry Christmas to
1: you. Major Billy Downer. Santa Downer. Here on Sports Talk. Santa Upper. That'll do it. See you tomorrow night.